Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Today, we're beginning a new series and a new book study. We're in the book of Galatians, and that is actually a letter. And so that's why we had our theme of talking about letters this morning. I hope that it's, this will help you think about the different letters you've received and why they've been important to you. Um, I used to like to write them a lot, and I'm like, eh, I need to get back into the habit of that. There's something special about taking pen to paper and, and sending someone a note to let them know you care. I also was really diving into some famous letters because sometimes you can think about letters that in history that have made a difference, but it's not just ancient history when this happens. In fact, when I was doing a search of different letters that have made a lasting impact on different places, um, I ran across several posts from England which talked about a letter that happened in 2020, and it gave them hope. It was written by a 22-year-old, and his words helped change the entire United Kingdom's parliament decision about providing food for children in need. The author happens to be a Premier League football player, a.k.a. a famous professional soccer player, and he also, his name caught my eye because he happens to play for my family's favorite team, Manchester United. So Marcus Rashford is the person we're going to talk about here. Yes, I surprised my family with this exciting story that they can connect with today. Now I have their attention. When COVID lockdowns were in place in spring of 2020, sporting events came to a halt. And Marcus used some of his free time to go and provide food for children. But this was the situation. A lot of schools provided free meals, but when kids were at home, how do you receive those meals? And so he was part of a team that would take the free meals from the school facilities actually house to house to people's homes. And fun fact, people here at Echo did the same in our neighborhood because Cincinnati Public Schools had free meals available. And so teams of us uh, joined with other people in Walnut Hills and were able to distribute meals to families who were receiving them. Now, when, co- when the UK government announced that at the end of summer, though, the free meals were going to stop. And so that would put up to, up to 1.3 million families at risk for food insecurity. And so Marcus was trying to figure out what he could do. So he used his celebrity status in order to post a, a letter on social media calling out the government, pleading the case for the families in need. And the way he did it was that he vulnerably shared a piece of his own story. So I'm going to read just a little snippet for us. Marcus said this, My story to get here is all too familiar for families in England. My mom worked full-time, earning minimum wage to make sure we always had a good evening meal on the table. But it was not enough. The system was not built for families like mine to succeed, regardless of how hard she worked. As a family, we relied on breakfast clubs, free school meals, and the kind actions of neighbors and coaches. Food banks and soup kitchens were not alien to us. As a black man from a low-income family in Withenshaw, Manchester, I could have just been another statistic. Instead, due to the selfless actions of my mom, my family, my neighbors, my coaches, the only stats I'm associated with are goals, appearances, and caps. I would be doing myself 
my family and my community in injustice if I didn't stand here today with my voice and my platform and ask for your help. This is an issue that needs urgent assistance. Please, while the eyes of the nation are on you, make the U-turn and protect the lives of our most vulnerable. So the government did change course. This is why people were posting about this letter meaning something. They did continue the meals through another season. And so when fall, then later after that, another stoppage, and then Marcus wrote another letter and businesses across uh, the United Kingdom stepped up. And so he still, you can still see him working with a foundation with his own funds and raising money for kids still today. But the main reason why, out of all the different letters that I were reading this week, was that Marcus took a story that maybe people didn't know and he didn't have to share, and he shared his own life in order to try to help other people. And that's really what the book of Galatians is. We're going to find out that the author, Paul, he's going to share a bit of his own story, as hard as it was, in order to try to help other people. And that's the thing about about sharing our stories, even when it's not picture perfect. We think we don't want to share something that has flaws or that has pain. And yet, we're going to see today and throughout our series that Jesus is the one who redeems our stories. And so when we share, honestly, we find that other people can connect because we all have brokenness and we all have beauty in our stories. And we all have hope in Jesus. So we're going to be in Galatians 1 today. That's in the New Testament. Let's recap where we are in the timeline of history. We have these events happened after Jesus had lived on earth for 33 years. He died, he resurrected, and after 40 days, he went back to heaven. And he left the things next in the hands of his disciples. These young guys we talked about, there were 12 of them who he'd been mentoring and they were going to step in to become leaders of what became the church. And this all occurred during the Roman Empire. Now, I don't know how often you think about the Roman Empire. I mean, per TikTok, I guess guys think about it a lot. Anyone? Anyone? All right, you got to go find this trend. Find out how, think about how much people, all these women were like, these guys in my life, I just started asking how often do you think about the Roman Empire? It's way more than I would imagine. Go Google that. So this week and then several weeks, we're going to be in the Roman Empire. Now, when you look at the New Testament and you're looking through the books, Romans all the way to Jude are all letters. And we have gone through 1 Peter and 1 John last year as a church. And when we talked about it, we said, it's one side of a conversation, right? If you write a letter, someone has thoughts and of their own on the other side, the person receiving the letter. Maybe they have written before or after. And so we just have one side of all of these conversations. And sometimes we get to read through the book of Acts and we can find out, oh, here's the context. This is the rest of the story that surrounded these letters. But sometimes we don't know and we try to fill in with context. But what we can grasp as that in each letter, a church leader was trying to reach out and to say, hang on to your faith. And in each situation, people lived in different places and they were experiencing different trials. And so 
each letter looks different because they're trying to address like, okay, you where you are and your situation and the problems and struggles you're going through, here's how to stay with Jesus. So that is what Paul is going to do here for the people in the region of Galatia. And our goal is to read this letter and see how their stories connect to ours. Let me begin in Galatians 1, verses 1 through 5. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for us, for our sins, just as God the Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. We'll begin with who were the Galatians. In this intro, we find out the author is Paul, and it says he's writing to churches, plural, in Galatia. So the first thing we note is it's not just one congregation meeting together, but there's probably a network of people in a region who are each gathering. Often this happened in homes. And so he's sending this letter, and they were to pass it around. They were to read it together with their group of people and pass it on to the other believers in the area. And he's trying to encourage all of them. Let's look on a map of where the region of Galatia was, circled here. And if you, we're going to zoom out and show you in modern day, it's, it's Turkey. And so in this network of churches, Paul likely began them or encouraged their growth. And so he has visited them all in person, and now he's writing back to them because he heard about something that troubled him, and we're going to get to that in a moment. Now we're going to read, we're going to jump down to verse 11 because I think it's helpful to see who's receiving the letter and who's sending it before we look at the purpose. So verse 11, we get into Paul's story. Dear brothers and sisters, he says, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. I received by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. Okay, that's a lot. That's a lot that Paul is sharing here vulnerably in this letter. He is revealing his past. And in his past, probably a lot of the people receiving the letter already knew if he had visited them, he probably shared his story. But he's putting it, you know, on record on paper here, because he knows that being open now is going to help him make his, his point, his plea to them in a minute. Paul had been a Pharisee, and if you were with us in our year of studying through Jesus's life in the book of Luke, we kept hearing about Pharisees. They were very big on the law of God. Like, that was their thing, was saying, look, we obey the law in every moment, and to the letter, we are doing things, we're, we're putting up boundaries so that we will never break God's law. And the law being the Ten Commandments we read through in the book of Exodus. But it's also things you find in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. There were 613 items that the people of Israel had been striving to follow. And the Pharisees were the experts. That was their thing. And we often saw them conflicting with Jesus saying, you're not following it the way we follow it. And Jesus had to keep explaining to them, 
but look, this is, this is living out God's law. I'm doing it. I'm living out God's law just like you want to. Mine looks a little differently. Paul said he violently persecuted God's church. You can read through the book of Acts chapter 8. Paul was called Saul back then, and it describes these scenes of like he's going house to house and dragging people off into prison, or he's watching someone get stoned to death because of worshiping Jesus. And Paul was approving of all this. It said he was breathing out murderous threats. That was his reputation. And I think it's sometimes tricky for us because we can see the full story and we might have grown up hearing about Paul. And it's hard to think back then, like what that felt like to know a person so extremely one way who is now shifting. And people were nervous because they're like, can we trust that he's actually sincerely caring about Jesus now when he was out trying to put us in prison before? So the one thing I want to point out here that caught my eye as I was studying through commentaries was people were pointing out that Paul, he's not ripping down Judaism itself. He's not blaming any mentors any people that preached sermons to him, anybody that taught him dogmatic ways. He didn't blame peer pressure or bad interpretations of scripture. He just owned up to say, I didn't do it right. The, the way I tried to worship God was wrong. And he just put it on him and he's taking ownership for his own actions. And that, that was powerful to me. But we can see that somehow he was he was in a system where he had a foundation of belief, but somehow it was, it was not right. There was something broken about it. Verse 15, he continues. Even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so I could proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. And what a beautiful picture there just to feel like that Paul is clinging to God's grace to know he went through all this, he did all of these things, and yet he's trying to say, but I have a future still. And he talks about the other apostles, and we're going to read some more about that next week in chapter 2. But then he just says that all the people, all the people who heard about his preaching and creating churches now, they kept saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy and they praised God because of me. So he's, he's trying to say that like sharing his story meant something. He's trying to show that Jesus does actually redeem and change paths, change lives. And he's like, I'm going to keep bringing up the darkness I went through and the things that I feel guilty about because I want to show you that that even I could find a better way and that you can find a better way. And so Paul keeps revealing pieces of him himself, vulnerably sharing parts of his story in order to rescue other people, to just to say, you too can have change in your life. So as Paul noted, everyone was astonished and, and perhaps you can think about people you know who are very zealous for certain things in life and their points of view. But yet, Paul said, God got my attention, that even though I was stuck in this pattern of thinking, that God revealed 
who Jesus was. And his story is found in Acts chapter 9. And God did capture Paul's attention with a blinding light. And Paul couldn't see for several days. And he just took that time to soak in the message that God was saying was that Jesus is the Son of God. And if Paul was so zealous about serving God, then it needed to include Jesus. So let's move on to, or we're jumping back to verse 6, because now that we know Paul's story, all that he's gone through, how much he loved the law, and then yet saw a new way forward through Jesus, this is why he's sharing that, and he's bringing this to the attention of the Galatians. He says very plainly, I'm shocked you were turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You were following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preached to you. I say again what we said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. So that's, that's heavy. He's like using big language here. That's why I wanted us to see his own background to say, I know what it's like to care so much about the law and about doing the right thing that you ignore the people in your path, that you get, get so far down this road. And so what the pieces we can put together from the rest of the book of Galatians and in other sources was that after Paul left, he was with all these churches. They were new. They're new to the faith and following Jesus. And then he headed out to go share the good news with some other people. And somebody else came in. New people joined the region of Galatia, joined these churches, and they were from the Jewish faith. And they believed in Jesus, but they wanted to add Jesus to the law because they were like, the law is how we serve God, and we have these beautiful regulations that we follow, and the law is first, and then Jesus is a bonus. And so Paul is adamantly saying, that's not what you have to do. You don't have to go become Jewish first and then follow Jesus. He was like, Jesus is the one. He's the one that saves us. He's the one that redeems our stories. He's all you need. You don't have to add him to anything else. And so the rest of this letter, he's going to work through like, Here's why God gave the law and structured this in such a way to help people find worshiping and honoring God. But he's like, Jesus came through to live it out and fulfill that for us. And now he's who we cling to. So here's Paul who grew up very Orthodox Jewish. He is very following in the faith step by step. And he probably felt really confident in that. Probably gave him his identity. And yet now he's being called to Gentiles. Everyone in Galatia is non-Jewish. And Paul, his new assignment is to care about the people that he probably thought he was better than for a long time. So he's already in a humbling ministry, but he does. He cares about them. He wants to say, Jesus is for you too, not just for me and my Jewish brothers. And so now he's coming in and saying, oh no, now when I left, other Jewish people came in and were like, but become Jewish first and then. So Paul is going to work through this message to say, Jesus first and listen to my story and I'll show you why it's just Jesus. 
Final verse I want us to read is Galatians 1 verse 10, which says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul shares another piece of vulnerability here. It's on that one word that says still. This gives us a clue. If I were still trying to please people, he's done that. He's giving us a clue that at some point, the things that he chose to do were about human effort and trying to please other humans. And so now he's like, this might seem so different. It might seem so different for me to just put all that aside. But he's like, I figured out that I'm pleasing God and this is the way to please God is to love his son, to believe in the message that Jesus preached, to actually trust that his death and his resurrection matters. Paul revealed those pieces of his own story in order to just help people from headed down a wrong path, down the way that was just going to cause them more to trip up later. Paul shared vulnerably because he cares about people. And so what I want us to think about today is like Paul, we might, be getting, we might get into conversations and friendships and we might meet people and realize maybe, maybe sharing a piece of our own story would be helpful. Now, I'm not saying that every person you meet, you've got to lay it all out there over and over. You know, that might not be the right thing you need to do. It might not be what they need to hear. It might not be safe, whatever. You're going to find these trusted moments where you feel an urge to say, just be honest. Let them know they're not alone. And every time we're willing to share a piece of Jesus's redemption, I believe that God uses that to help someone in some way even if we can't see it at the moment. Because none of us have perfect stories and we're all grappling with some pain that others have caused us. We're all grappling with pain that we realize we have caused other people. At some point, it all collides, but all that we have in common is the fact that Jesus can take whatever was there before and make it beautiful. He can take that brokenness and redeem it. And we need those reminders, and we can be those reminders for other people. And we talked about this idea a few weeks ago when we had the theme of commission. Like going out and sharing Jesus' good news sounds like such a big task. We just said it's just sharing a piece of our story. And when Jesus is in our story, then he is shared too. So our letters that we might write, they might not be in pen and paper, they just might be living out our faith. That is a letter to others. We don't have to write a popular letter and, and hope it changes the world. We don't have to, not everybody's going to stand up and preach a sermon. Or you don't even have to argue with people and debate on social media. You just have to show up when people need you. When a friend asks for help, be present. When someone needs prayer and they bring it up, then pray. When someone asks, why do you have any hope in the darkness of our world? Just be brave enough to whisper Jesus' name. All of these are pieces of sharing Jesus' story with others. And it happens through our own lives. A few weeks ago, I got to tell you about Echo's story of how we began as a church, our past. But all of us here now are the ones who determine its future. 
who are we going to invite to join with us? And so here at Echo, we are committed. We're going to keep reading scripture because we believe that Jesus' story matters and that by going back to his life again and again and remember what he said and what he did, we trust that his death and his resurrection matter to our lives. And so by joining this church, that's what you are joining us on, a journey to figure out how to live like that just a little bit better tomorrow than we did today. Our goal is to trust that God's spirit is living and active and moving. And let's listen to that tug on our heart when he's connecting our story to someone else's. We're called to share Jesus' redemption as individuals and as a church body. And we can do these things to reflect Jesus to the world. So that's my hope as we read through this letter that we keep finding that we have a way that we have a little bit of a way to share our story with someone else. And that story is Jesus' redemption. We're going to end our service like we do every week. We're going to have communion because we don't want to forget that Jesus' death and resurrection matters. And he gave us a really amazing way to remember. Jesus said, eat a meal and remember me. And so we do. We have a small piece of bread and a cup of juice, and it's just to remind us tangibly with all these different senses to think about Jesus' death and resurrection and why he matters to our lives. So I'm going to close this in prayer, and then we're going to have friends down front serving for us. And just take your time. If you would like to spend this time remembering Jesus in this tangible way, we invite you to join communion with us. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for redeeming our stories and for giving us hope even when our past didn't look like the way we may have wanted it to. And we thank you for giving us strength, giving us reminders that we don't have to work so hard with human efforts. We just have to trust in you and that you, through us, will bring hope, and beauty into the world. Lord, it's often hard to trust in things we don't see, but we ask for your, your reminders this week that you are present with us, that you bring your peace and your healing and your hope. And we ask you to do so through us. We thank you for Jesus and the life he lived, the death he died, and the hope for eternal life. And we ask you to shine through us this week. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.